right, boys, we got the whole crew back here and just two days to go until opening day on the 147th National League season of Chicago Cubs baseball. Welcome back into another edition of Behind the Yellow Line, Chicago Cubs podcast. Jeremy's here. Randall is here. I am here. And guys, it feels like it's been forever since the three of us have been here on a podcast. This is number 63. Good to see you all tonight. We are recording this on Tuesday night, April 5th, which means two sleeps, boys, until Cubs baseball is back. I was not sure we were going to get Cubs baseball in April this year. We're going to get to predictions today, but this time of the year, I am giddy as hell because we got Cubs baseball this week. Yeah, I talked about it last week. Unfortunately, you weren't around. You were too sick or something. But, uh, you know, anytime you get Cubs baseball, it's the most op- uh, opening day, most optimistic of the year. And anytime you get Cubs baseball, you have to enjoy it. You have to yeah. love it. I'm excited. I'm going to be there. And so, Ronan, what I asked this to Randall last week. What are your plans for opening day? Well, I am working that day. Uh, I'm trying to be strategic about days off with the Cubs being here a week later. I snuck in an off day there. But I did the old veteran move of adding that ghost meeting for about 90 minutes or so between uh, when the pregame coverage will start for me around noon through the first, I don't know, two innings or so of the ball game. I want to take in the pageantry. I'm hoping it's Wayne Mesmer on the anthem. I want to see the teams lined up on the baselines. I just wanted the calendar clear for that little 90 minute window and I'll be able to watch the end of the game while I'm on some phone calls. You've got yourself a meeting scheduled with uh, directors Shambi, Deshays, Hughes, and Coomer. Yeah. I just thought, you know, I I also, Friday's the home opener for the Rockies, and I added a meeting in. I want to be up on the roof for the flyover, for the pregame fireworks. I want to hear that Chris Bryant introduction and the reaction to it. So it's about being strategic here. I am a little bit jealous, though, Jeremy, because you know damn well if I was in Chicago, I'd be sitting out there right next to you Thursday. We'd be freezing our asses off. We'd be having an awesome time with a little bit of optimism because it's game number one. Game number one, I said last week, everybody's in first place. It's the way to go. Unfortunately, Ronan, I don't believe Wayne Mesmer is singing the national anthem. Uh, I believe it'll be John Vincent. Oh, man. You know, John Vincent is a fine singer, but Wayne Mesmer is the voice of Wrigley Field. That one... Makes me a little bit sad. Kind of feels like Wayne's getting the phase out. I don't like that, boys. I don't like it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking real forward to being annoyed by this team day in and day out because even that beats the alternative. It's it's better to have them to be annoyed at than to not have them at all, as we as some of us were worried might be the case well into April, May, and June. Randall, I feel like that's your preferred state. You want to be frustrated. You want to be angrily treated. I don't want to be frustrated. You're looking forward to it. I want to be I want to be happy with your comfort zone. I want to be happy with my team, but I'm also being realistic A about this team and B about the the way this team affects me. It's a perfectly healthy relationship I have with this team and this sport. Everybody knows it. Uh, So that's what what I'm saying. I'm I'm looking forward to the emotional reactions that this team will give me because that's just how I roll. And because it beats not having a team to get emotional about. It's your comfort zone. You like you like the tweets, the angry tweets. You like being frustrated. I like happy tweets a lot more than I like angry tweets. Yeah, I like Cubs wins uh, more than anything. Um, Speaking of comfort zone, I have not been in a comfort zone for the last week or so. Nice job, guys, holding down the fort with a podcast last week. I've been extremely sick for the last week or so. I've kind of identified what's going on with me. And I, whatever it started with, it morphed into a sinus infection. And that has been tough. 10 days is supposed to be the recovery time for a sinus infection. I'm on day eight 
I'm feeling much better right now. I'm still congested. I don't know if that's translating on the audio right now. Definitely not 100%, but I'm feeling like the Cubs are here next Thursday. By then I'll be, you know, two and a half weeks into this sickness. I'm going to be just fine. So I had a tough weekend, right? I had concert tickets Friday night. I couldn't go see that band. I was invited to the university that I teach at. They did a appreciation day for teachers Saturday. And a couple of members of the softball team who are in my class invited me out to the game. I was too sick to go. And I felt terrible about that. They're playing this weekend. I'm going to get out and get a chance to see them. So it was just tough for me to kind of, you know, that fear of missing out thing that you get periodically. It, I had that bad when I was feeling awful and it was 70 degrees outside here and I couldn't do anything. There's literally a, a term for it, Ron. It's literally called FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. I, I had it. I had it really bad, but something that helped me feel better. I was starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit on Sunday. And I'm still on that path back. I listened to the podcast and I had an awesome time listening to you guys. It was a very good show. Number 62 last week, one of the better shows. And honestly, I got a little self-conscious. I'm like, I'm the weak link on this podcast. I get out of the way. Jeremy's shining. Everybody's having a good time. But you you said some nice things to me, and it was very enjoyable. And Jeremy, I really liked the discussion you guys got into about the front office and the changes that we've seen here in the last year and a half, including the philosophy of the front office. So very fun podcast. It got me excited to get back on the mic this week. I made sure I was trying to eulogize you last week, Ronan. I know. Randall shot it down, though. I was, <laughs> guys, I was sick. I was say I had one of those multiple nights in a row, well over a hundred, where you're hallucinating, like you're laying in bed and you're seeing things all over the place. Maybe not the first time Randall I've ever felt that way, but the first time I wasn't yeah, I was, I was trying say. to feel that way, right? <laughs> uh, and then the weirdest thing, these fever dreams you get, like the nightmares and the vivid dreams you get when you got really high fever at night. I'm just over it. So let's get past this. I want to say one thing though, Stan, our loyal listener. Thank you for the very kind note you send me on Twitter uh, asking me to feel better. I really do appreciate that. Good looking out, and I hope you enjoy this podcast tonight. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this show. We are going to do our second annual preseason prediction show. We are just talking Cubs baseball today. We're going to come back Monday after this Cubs opening series. We'll do the rest of our National League and Major League Baseball predictions, who's going to win what divisions, who's going to win what awards. But tonight on the eve of the eve of the start of this 2022 season, we're going to talk some Cubs baseball. Uh, here's how I've organized it. I've got about 30 questions or so broken into five different categories. We've got some team questions, some pitching specific questions. We've got hitting or positional player questions. I've got a section of either or where I'm going to name two players. I'm going to ask a specific thing and you're going to tell me who you think is going to either achieve more or underperform, whatever the question is. And then we got some miscellaneous questions to bring it all home. Um, after that, just a couple odds and ends that we want to tie together here. We've got Cubs weather for the first series of the year. Kyle Hendricks, Corbin Burns starting Thursday, the first of four. Cubs weather, Alexander Hall hooking us up with that. I want to get a quick thought in on the balanced Desrol coming next year in 2023. We'll also look at number 63. So that's the game plan here for tonight. Uh, boys, with regards to these answers, uh, let's keep it light and fun. If you've got uh, context to add to your response, add it. If you just want to say the player's name or the stat or the number, that's perfectly fair game as well. And at the end of each category, we'll have a chance to kind of back up a little bit if there's any other thoughts or discussions that kind of come out of that. And I think that'll keep us on track and get things going. So let's go to the very beginning here. Maybe the most important question 
about the 2022 Chicago Cubs. Randall, what will be the record of the 2022 Chicago Cubs? 80 and 82. Okay. I'm going to go 79, 83, not too far off from Randall. Well, I'm sorry to be Mr. Pessimist here. 72 and 90. One more victory than a year ago is what I'm thinking for the Cubs this year. Randall, where does that record put the Cubs in the division in terms of standings? Third place ahead of Cincinnati and ahead of Pittsburgh. I agree with you, Randall. Basically the same third place. So this is where things get weird. It's going to be a bad division, folks. I think the 72 and 90 Cubs have a chance at third place. So let's all go in with third place there. Uh, Here's one that I think is a little more optimistic, maybe, or at least a little bit more laid back than kind of the negativity that we're all sort of bringing into the season here. When this is all said and done, Randall, and we're looking back on this 12 months, 24 months, a couple years from now, what do you think will be the most memorable aspect of the 2022 Chicago Cubs storyline team? What do you think is going to be that most memorable aspect? Bunch of young guys coming up in late July, August, September team making you think maybe there's some competency here. I, I think we, I think my hope is in a couple of years, we view this season like we did 2014. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Most memorable ass. I think, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to look back on it and we're going to think that the bullpen was pretty solid that we had some, and I think we're gonna have some good pitching performances. I, I'm a little skeptical of some guys at the top, but I think of Marcus Stroman, he's going to pitch pretty well. And I think we'll be surprised by some starting pitching and some bullpen pitching. I like the optimism there. I'm also very excited about the bullpen. One concern maybe I have there is it's going to take some time to identify who the right guys are. And that could be ugly in April and May as some guys are just lost but overall, bullpen's going to be a strength for the team. Randall, though, I agree more with you. What I had written down here was debuts. I think this is going to be the year of memorable debuts. It's going to start Thursday with Suzuki and right field for the Cubs. But then two players that I think we're all excited about, who I think are both going to be contributors this year, Brendan Davis, top prospect out in center field, Caleb Killian. I think is going to make his major league debut in the latter half of the season. So I think when we're looking back on this in two or three years, when hopefully the Cubs are very good and the favorites to win the division, we're going to think of 2022. I don't want to make comparisons to 14, 15 or anything like that, but I think we're going to say this was the year that some big contributors came up, had their first win, their first home run, those first walk-off hits, and it's going to be the year of the debut, kicking off really what should be multiple years now in a row of memorable debuts yeah i agree i, th- I think oh sorry no, I, no say, I, I think uh i think killian probably be up sooner rather than later i kind of feel like i love that too i think that's even better it's opening the year in iowa and we're going to get to pitching here in a minute and maybe he's somebody that you think is going to end up being one of the better pitchers for the 2022 chicago cubs i love this question here and I show these questions only to my brother before we went on the air here. Connor, he was a guest on the pod last year. I wanted both of you coming into this fresh and just kind of getting your answers in the moment. But he asked this one, and, and it's a good one. Maybe take a look at the schedule to help answer this as well. What series will leave Cubs fans most optimistic about their playoff chances this year? Uh, that's an easy one. Uh, April 21st, 22nd, 23rd uh, against the Pirates. 24th, I beg your pardon. That's a four-gamer against the Pirates. <laughs> that's when we're going to say, hey, the Cubs have put a couple of wins in a row together. Uh, so I think that's going to be it, and I think that may be the end of it, the start and the end of it for the season. What do you think, Jeremy? I think we're going to have an extra month in here. I think we're. I'm going the late May series 
against the Cincinnati Reds after, you know, a bunch of games against the Diamondbacks, the Pirates. Uh, early hour, we're playing the Pirates and the Rockies in April. I, there's some tough games in there, but I feel like it'll be like 500 team heading into June. And I think fans will be like, okay, maybe there's something there. I'm on the same track as you there, Jeremy. I actually looked at that series on the south side after a rare Friday off day. I'm going May 28th and 29th at the White Sox. And the reason why I'm saying that, the Cubs have a 14-game stretch leading into that series where they play three in Arizona, three at home versus the Pirates, four at home versus Arizona, and four in Cincinnati. Those are bad teams. It's a long stretch of baseball in the middle of May against very bad teams. Cubs get on a good run there. Maybe they go, I don't know, 10 and four or something like that in that 14 game stretch. You go down to the South side, play spoiler with that good White Sox team, take one or two. You're feeling good. Maybe things begin to deflate when the Brewers come in for Memorial Day. But I'm looking at that last weekend in May. I do think the Cubs will still be competitive at that point. They're going to have a good stretch in the middle of the month. And that may be the high point, though, for the season, kind of like it was last season, actually. It's, it's a weird schedule for the first two months. Because it's like the Cubs are playing all the really bad teams and all the really good teams. Like if they're not, they're playing all the teams projected to be at the bottom and all the teams projected to be at the top. Brewers, Dodgers, Rays, Braves, White Sox, Padres, also Rockies, you know, Pirates, Diamondbacks, Reds. They're playing. It's just weird. It's like they're playing. They're not playing any middling teams. Yeah. So potentially a lot of wins in April and May. And that's why I think that, most optimistic part of the year is going to come at the end of May, and boy, would it be fun. We know the White Sox are going to be a good team this year. They will be my favorite to win the American League Central. It'd be nice to go down there and slap them around a little bit because something I'm really sick of, even in spring training games, uh, Eloy hitting freaking bombs off the Cubs every damn year he's in the majors. Hey, Madrigal got one off the Sox the other day <laughs> yeah. for training. So I, if Madrigal's taking the Sox deep, I'm happy. Randall, I got one more team question, and then Misk, we kind of come back into it here at the end. But who do you think will be selected as all-stars representing the Chicago Cubs? I'm going to say two of Hendricks, Stroman, uh, Suzuki, and then I think one reliever. And then I think one reliever is going to make it. I'm not prepared to identify who, but I think one guy out of this bullpen will end up making it. Or Jesse should Chavez. Jesse Chavez. I'll take it. Oh, that's a good amount. Three, uh, three all stars. Uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna say I think it's gonna be Wilson Contreras. Ooh, I like that. Then that's the only Cub all star. The only Cub all star, correct? Well, yeah, I think that's a pretty good guess there in Wilson. I, I want to see two though. I want to see one position player and one pitcher, and I really want this to be a bounce back year for Kyle Hendricks. So I'll split the difference with you two there. I'll go Kyle Hendricks, Wilson Contreras. Get the battery mates representing the Cubs here in the all-star game um where remind me randall where is the all-star game this year i believe the dodgers are getting their rescheduled all-star game though the one that they lost during the pandemic shortened season well that is a place where the stars go so los angeles should be fun chavez ravine is awesome third oldest ballpark in major league baseball second oldest in the national league and obviously a team and franchise i'm jealous of right they're always good they spend a ton of money great farm system they just churn out talent hey tom ricketts Look west, man. That's what we're expecting. That's what we want here in the National League Central. But uh, good stuff there. I want to shift to pitching now here. The Cubs finished 28th of 30 teams in baseball last year in terms of pitcher war. It was a weak spot despite some really good performances coming out of the bullpen. But this is the next set of questions here. 
Randall, who is the pitching war leader for the Chicago Cubs in 2022? Marcus Stroman. I'm going to agree with Randall and Marcus Stroman. That's a three-peat, boys, a sweep. Not too many of those I think we're going to get here tonight. Lots of reasons to be excited about Marcus Stroman. I think he's a fun guy. Just watching him from afar in Toronto and New York, I kind of always wanted him to be a Cub. Now he's there. I really want it to work out. Maybe this is your answer, too, to the next question, Randall. Strikeout leader for the Cubs. Do you also think it's Marcus Stroman? I do not. I do not think it's Marcus Stroman. I think the strikeout leader for the club is not on the roster yet. Wow. wow. Okay. I'm going to go a little off base. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make a pick. I'm going to say the strikeout leader for the Cubs ends up being Drew Smiley. Wow. Okay. Uh, any particular reason there? I saw he's the Sunday starter in the Cubs set here against the Brewers this weekend. I think he has the best strikeout stuff of anybody in the rotation. Now, maybe Justin Steele. And I think the only question is whether he's effective or, and gets enough innings. Or, okay. or healthy. Yeah, I like that, though. Um, I'm going with Stroman, though, too. I guess I'm going really all in here on Marcus Stroman having a really good first year in Chicago. Uh, take the over-under here. I'm setting it at half. The Cubs will pitch greater or less than half of a complete game this season. Meaning, will, will, will the Cubs say, have at least one complete game this I will year? take the over. I will take the over on that. Yeah, I, th I think I'll take the over. I think they'll have a complete game. I am going with the under. The Cubs had one complete game last year. It was Kyle Hendricks. Came against the Dodgers, but remember, that was a seven-inning ball game. So no nine-inning complete game for the Cubs last year. I do not think we're going to get a complete game from a Cubs starter this year. And, man, you know, that isn't so much also a knock on the current squad. That's just sort of the game these days, too. It doesn't happen like it used to. Even when we were back in high school, I don't think that this Cubs roster is going to get a complete game this year. Guys, prove me wrong. That's one I want to happily eat crow on. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think I think you'll see a rubber-armed uh, Kyle Hendricks or uh, Marcus Stroman get out there and, and pitch a, a pretty decent game. I mean, if Kyle can throw under, throw Maddox, that'd be pretty solid. Yeah, it's just law of averages, honestly. You, you've got two guys who pitched a contact on a, a cold day at Wrigley. I think it's feasible that they could pull out a complete game. So just law of averages, 162 game. I'll take the, the one instead of the field in that case. Other end of the pitching spectrum here, who is the Cubs saves leader when it's all said and done in 2022? Ethan Roberts. Wow. I like that. I'm going to say David Robertson. And I'm going a different direction here. Guy who's not even on the team right now. He's going down to Iowa. Manny Rodriguez, I think, is going to end up leading the Cubs in saves this year. I think this position here, and I suspect you both agree with me, we're going to see a lot of different people finishing out ball games for the Cubs this year. So many things go into that. You know, who's healthy, who's hot, who gets an extended chance to close out ball games. Will any Cub closer get to 20 saves? No. I think you're going to see three or four guys who have eight to 10 saves each. I, I, I just feel like, I feel like they're going to end up with a veteran back there. And I feel like they're going to use a lot of the young guys and more, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning, certain situations, and then just throw, you know, David Robinson the ninth or something. And I, I think if he stays the whole year, I think it's possible he gets 20 saves. But if he pitches well, I, I can see him being traded at the deadline. Yeah. That's the thing with a lot of these arms, not so much the young guys, but the Jesse Chavez's of the roster, David Robertson's, uh, will they be around 
come August 1st. If they're pitching well, probably not. So that's why I went with Manny Rodriguez. I think he's the first call when someone goes down or somebody's ineffective, and I don't think he's giving it up. Uh, in fact, he's good enough to make this team right now. It just comes down to options and how you let things sort of settle themselves out. I love that Ethan Roberts made this team, but I think Manny Rodriguez is going to be the guy that is going to be at the top of the pile at the end of the season. On a similar note here, who leads the Cubs in appearances from a pitching standpoint? So what reliever will have the most appearances for the Cubs in 2022? Chris Martin. Coldplay. Yeah, Coldplay. I see. The thing is, it's just like, it's tough because I feel like any pitcher who's like going to be that guy who's really good is probably going to get traded. So I feel like a guy like Jesse Chavez might be the guy in the first half of the season, but I'm going to go with Rowan Wick just because I think he's going to stick okay. the whole year. Uh, boy, if he's healthy, that could be a guy who could be the saves leader for the team as well. Awesome arm. I'm on the same path as you, though, Jeremy. I What I wrote here was Jesse Chavez and then an arrow to a different player who I'll mention in a minute. I think Jesse's going to be pacing the team, but I don't think he's going to be on the team come August. I think there's going to be a team that's in contention. He's not going to cost that much to get him. I don't think this guy's going to have a full year on the north side. When he is on the north side, he's going to be a workhorse because that's all he's done. In his career, you wrote off his career five, six years ago. You're damn wrong. And he just won a World <laughs> Series title. So he's going to be the guy. But once he goes, Ethan Roberts is going to end up making the most appearances for the Cubs this year. He is not leaving that roster. He's an electric arm. Awesome video in the dugout of him getting the news that he's going up to the major leagues. I'm very excited about Ethan Roberts. And I think at the end of the season, he's going to have the most relief appearances of any Cubs pitcher. And how great is it that Ethan Roberts grew up idolizing Marcus Stroman? And then he not just makes his first opening day roster, he makes it to the big leagues for the first time. And he spent the whole spring in camp with Marcus Stroman there watching out for him and taking him under his wing. How great is that? That's cool. Very cool. You know, it's also neat that you're starting to see guys, 2018 class is getting very interesting for the Cubs. Fourth round pick is Roberts. To see him matriculating up to the majors, that's just exciting, right? It's really cool with baseball, unlike football in the NBA. You know, you draft a guy in the first or second round, he's on the roster contributing that next season. Baseball, they go away for a couple of years. They're in the minors. You watch them develop. Now he's got a shot at the highest level. Uh, Tennessee Tech, right, Jeremy? Am I that's that correct. Right? Tennessee yeah, Tech. Ethan Roberts. Uh, he's the guy I think is going to have the most relief appearances. Uh, here's a question that Randall tossed to us. I sort of crowdsourced from you guys and then put my own questions together. Who makes the most starts for the Cubs who is not currently on the opening day roster? Uh, Caleb Killian. That's an interesting question. Uh, I think I'm also going to have to go with Killian. I, I was, you know, I was thinking about a guy like Corey Abbott, but I feel like it's not going to be him. So Caleb Killian. That's probably the best answer. To mix it up a little bit here, Wade Miley, assuming that he isn't oh. traded, that could be a guy that will certainly make it happen. Um, trying to think of another name. Is, it, is there a chance that Adbert is going to be healthy enough to be in the running for that or probably not likely this year? Randall, you're shaking your head. Probably not. I think with the, the shoulder injury, the nature of his shoulder injury, they already think it's going to be a couple months on him. I just don't think if he's able to come back at all, he's on the roster for long enough to, to claim that, that statistical title. Yeah, I mean, what Miley, yeah, no, I wasn't really including him just because I, being on the IL, but if Miley's available, hey, I'd probably go with Miley. Not on the opening day roster. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, what we went with. Uh, we'll see where it goes. That's an important arm, though, for the Cubs. Got to figure out what's going on there and get him back. Uh, what am I missing here from pitching wide? Are there any other thoughts we've got on pitching as a whole to kind of bring this part of the discussion home? 
I don't think we're missing anything good. You haven't asked who's going to give up the most home runs, no. who's going to get booed off the mound, but we, that's not the kind of energy we want right now. No. So I feel like as long as we're keeping it positive, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. I would say about Miley, uh, just to add, uh, he did say that uh, this he didn't think it was like that big of a deal, his arm, and that if it, if it was a midseason thing, he would still be pitching. He just didn't think it made sense to rush it at the start of the year. I'll throw one more in here, Bump, thinking about it, of kind of the younger guys, the Keegan Thompson, the Justin Steele, even Adbert, if you want to throw it in the mix. Which one of that sort of group of players is going to have the best season here for the Cubs? I'm going to go Justin Steele. Strikeouts. Yeah, I'm going to go Justin Steele, but I think it's going to end up being Justin Steele in the bullpen having the best year. Yeah, you just could see how dominant he could be in a role like that. Uh, but again, Cubs pitching last year, 28th out of 30 teams in war. It could get worse. It's not going to get worse than that, though. They're going to be better pitching team this year, and that will hopefully lead to some wins on the north side. Uh, let's move over to hitting or position players here. The Cubs, not a very good offensive team last year either. 20th of 30 teams in war in 2021. Randall, war, war, war. That's all I'm talking about. Who is the position player war leader for the 2022 Chicago Cubs? Well, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh, I am going to go Patrick Wisdom. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go Patrick Wisdom. Between him and Ian Happ, I'm going to go Patrick Wisdom as the war leader. Mm. I I almost thought you were about to say Patrick Wisdom there, Randall. I thought well, I didn't hear yeah, catching I, up I paused, on there. But... I paused mid-thought. I did, do I want to veer off? Nope, I'm going to stick with Patrick Wisdom. It's a prediction so, show. So I'm going to make a prediction. I think he's going to get off to a slow start. I think the guy I'm about to choose is going to get off to a slow start and it's going to be frustrating early year, but I think by the end of the year, it's going to be Seiya Suzuki. Yeah. That's my guy too, Jeremy. I'm very worried about Patrick Wisdom. Like, he's going to hit some home runs. Jeremy's going to be some whiz-dongs all over Waveland this year. But that 40% strikeout rate, it I just don't like the optics of that coming into the year. Seiya Suzuki is going to put it together. I was thinking about him as a potential all-star, but I'm not as optimistic about that. I'm sort of in the same page with you, Jeremy, about a slow start and then him figuring it out. But their best offensive player, Wilson Contreras, I don't think is going to be around all year. And I think ultimately, Seiya Suzuki's the guy. So we're in agreement with that. Ballpark it here. What do we think the war number is going to be in terms of Cubs position players, that top war position player? A leader? What do we oh, yeah. 3.2. I'm, I'm going to say uh, around that. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say four. I will split the difference or so. Three and a half is where I think say is going to be when the season is over. Here's a fun one. We all like dongs. Who's going to lead the team in home runs and how many will they hit? Uh, Patrick Wisdom, twenty twenty nine. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Clint Frazier. I'm gonna wow. say he's going to hit wow. uh, thirty. 30. Okay. Yeah. Very optimistic. I love that. A yeah. Great spring. Um, but at the same time, like 10 games or something that he appeared in. So there's small sample sizes, but he tore the cover off the ball. I think there's reason to be excited there. I'm going big Frank, Frank Schwindel, 25 home runs pacing the Cubs there. Will we see any Cub get to 100 runs batted in? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. We're a sad group here. No one, no one's getting to triple digits. I'm with you there. Although Frank may be the front runner, mid to high 80s is where I think that that number is going to finish up for him. Uh, what about team stolen base leader? Does, do teams even run anymore? Who's going to steal the most bases for the Cubs this year? 
I think it's going to be VR and I think it's going to be a low number. I think maybe he ends up with 15. I think maybe Nico ends up with 10. They're not going to run a whole lot. And I think your stolen base top two are going to be pretty low numbers. I think it's going to be Nico. I think Nico is probably the fastest guy on the team. I think it probably ends up being Nico. You got a number in mind? Uh, I'll go with 12. Okay. The Cub leader last year in stolen bases uh, didn't have that many. 12 in 18 tries. Rafael Ortega, he was a guy that I thought, you know, he's going to probably end up playing a bit this year for this team. And he could be the guy, but I'm going to go with Nico. And I think 13. Nice, lucky number there for the Cubs. I agree. This is not a team that's going to be running a ton. Um so Nico sounds good. And if Nico's leading the team in stolen bases, it means that he's healthy and he's playing a lot. And that's certainly something that I can rally around. Uh, which position player you think will make the most starts in 2022? I am going to go with uh, Frank Schwindel. Uh, I think he's going to make the most starts. I think he starts 150 games. I think he starts 150 wow. games between first base and DH. It's a lot of games. I am going to go... <laughs> Big Frank, yeah. I'm going to go with Ian Happ. I know he said, I, I heard earlier today on a different podcast, actually yesterday, that his goal is to hit over, is to hit about 200 in the month of April this year. Thinks if he can get to 200, then he'll have a pretty good season <laughs> in April. So I think that, I think Ian Happ's going to end up playing the most games for the Cubs. And I, I, I would say about 140. I'm going with Saya. I, I think he's going to stay healthy, which is critical. And I think this logjam they've got in the outfield is going to kind of work itself out as we get through the year. There's going to be the inevitable injuries. I'm certainly not rooting for that, but it's something that's going to pop up. And some guys at some point are going to have to go. I've got a question about Jason Hayward coming up a little bit later here. That said, Saya, I think he's going to be a mainstay in the lineup. He's going to stay healthy, and he's going to be the guy that makes the most starts for the Cubs in 2022. A couple other of offensive-related questions. This is an either-or section, so I'm going to name two players. And for the first couple here, I want you to tell me who's going to have the higher home run total this year for the Chicago Cubs. So the first one up here, Randall, Seiya Suzuki, Ian Happ. Seiya Suzuki. Uh, I'm going to go with Seiya Suzuki. I'm going to agree with Randall. Clean sweep, Seiya Suzuki, out homers, Ian Happ. All right, battle the corner infielders. Who has more home runs this year? Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel. Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom as well. Frank Schwindel, the Cubs home run leader, is my guy there. Here's a spicy one, Randall. I know you like the spicy ones. Spicy one. Brennan Davis or Jason Hayward? Brennan Davis. Jason Hayward. Okay. All right. I want to hear more about this. I am going with Brendan Davis. I think that's going to be the guy. Jeremy, why will Jason Hayward have more home runs than Brendan Davis? Um, I'm just picking Jason Hayward. I think Brendan's going to take time to adjust to the league. Not, I mean, obviously we all know Jason struggles and I think, and I have a feeling you have another question about this, but I think we might end up being surprised a little bit by Jason. So I don't know. I'll wait for your to go with uh, your later questions. For sure. For sure. Uh, any other thoughts on that, Randall? Uh, you know, I, I just think that Brennan's going to come up. I think he's going to strike out a bunch, but I think he's going to hit his first big league home run and a second and third. I think he's going to become a consistent power threat shortly after coming up. I don't think Hayward is going to be in the starting lineup 
particularly long. I just think it may be a close thing. It might be like 10 versus eight. It might be like 12 versus 10. I just think it's going to be Brennan by the time all is said and done. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Or do we think Brennan Davis will homer in his major league debut? No. I think he goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Oh, no, don't debut. say that. <laughs> wow, pulling Chris Bryant. Uh, I'm going to say no. Well, you both suck. He is going to homer. It's going to be a bomb, and we're going to enjoy the hell out of it because Brendan Davis is going to make a big impression on this team this year. Uh, here's a question about positions. Who makes more starts at catcher this year for the Cubs, Wilson Contreras or Jan Gomes? Wilson Contreras. I'm going to say Wilson Contreras. I'm pessimistic. I'm sorry, guys. Jan Gomes is ultimately going to have more starts for the Cubs. I think we're going to see a lot of Wilson DHing the first half of the year, kind of keeping that body healthy. He talked a lot about just the wear and tear last year. His body sort of broke down as the season went on. They leaned so much on him because it was a revolving door behind him. They might take it light with him here. Jan Gomes is a competent major league catcher, so I think that him staying on the team through the end of the year, it's going to end up being Jan Gomes. What about third base? Who makes more starts? Patrick Wisdom, Jonathan VR. Patrick Wisdom. I'm going to say Jonathan VR. Okay. I, I'm with you there, too. I think we're going to see a lot of Patrick Wisdom at first base, maybe giving Frank Schwindel a little bit of time off. And VR, I think, is going to end up having a lot of playing time for the team this year. So I'm with you, Jeremy, on that one. Uh, what about shortstop? Who will have more starts at shortstop, Andrelton Simmons or Nico Horner? Nico Horner. I'm going to say Andrelton Simmons. Yeah, I think it's going to be Simmons. I want it to be Horner because if it is Horner, that's a really good thing. It means he's holding it down, he's playing it well, and he's healthy. He had an awesome play at short the other day, way deep in the hole. It was one of those plays I just caught the replay on the phone, and I'm like, ooh, I didn't know Nico Horner could do that. Got, that got was, me a little bit excited, Randall. That was range. That was arm. That was yeah. accuracy. That was everything you want out of your shortstop. Very good. It was uh, very impressive. I just think uh, Simmons – I think Simmons is key to what the Cubs actually want to do a lot with their starting pitchers because they want, I mean, and you, you said Nico just showed off great defense, but I think they really want a great shortstop there to scoop up all those ground balls. So I think Simmons is going to really be, I think he's a key part of the Cubs plan this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a similar question here on the pitching side of things. Who pitches more innings for the big league Cubs this year, Adbert Elzelai or Wade Miley? Uh, I'm going to go Wade Miley. I'm also going to go Wade Miley. I hope it's Abbott, but it's probably more likely to be Wade Miley. I know I'm putting you guys on the spot here. In the moment, any either or questions like that that you feel like you want to add into the mix? Maybe something I missed. Yes, I'm going to go. Who makes the most? Who makes more starts in center field this year? Jason Hayward or Michael Hermosillo? I'm going to say Jason Hayward. Yeah, I thought you were going to maybe say Brendan Davis or Jason Hayward there. No, I, we already did the, yeah. we already did the Hayward fair. Davis. Fair. Uh, it's going to be Jason Hayward who ends up having more starts than Michael Hermosillo. And that's probably the right call at this point in time. Maybe. So if I had an either or, and, and I, for some reason I had a feeling, I thought you might, add, or maybe you are going to ask this one. But I guess my either or, it's not quite an either or. It's more of a... Well, then it's not an either or. I, <laughs> okay, here's the either or. August 1st, trade deadline's August 2nd, but August 1st, prior or after, do you think Jason Hayward will be designated for assignment? I've Ooh. got a similar question coming up in a minute. I so felt I'll like take, you had that I, question. I'll take, I, the, yeah. I'll take the after. 
Well, Randall, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, yeah, we'll come back to that here in just a minute too, because I, I framed it a little bit differently, okay. but we're on the same page with that for sure. I got a couple miscellaneous related questions here. This one, a little bit of fun. Again, an over-under, I'm setting the line at two and a half. David Ross ejections. You taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the over. I think there's going to be a little bit of frustration this year. And I think there's going to be a couple of times where he just goes out there and like, uh, like a lot of great managers have done, he just kind of quietly tells the umpire, uh, look, I need to get my money's worth out of this one. You do what you need to do. So I'm going to take the over. I'm going to agree with Randall. I think, I think we're going to get the over. I think, uh, I think this is going to be really like the first, you know, real opportunity for David Ross to go out there and argue some calls without, you know, kind of COVID protocol. So, I think he's going to get his money's worth, as Randall said. It's a good, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, maybe I should have set the line a little higher because I'm also going over on that. I also wanted a follow-up question for you all. I'll go first here. The first date David Ross gets ejected. I'm going with April 22nd. 22 is an important number to me. It's a Friday game at Wrigley against the Pirates. And I see that one just, you know, one of those cold Friday games at Wrigley. The Cubs maybe aren't playing so hot. He blows the lid off a little bit here, trying to fire him up against the Pirates. So that's what I'm picking for the first day David Ross gets tossed this year. You got a date in mind, Randall? Yeah, I'm going to take right here. I'm going to take Thursday, June 2nd of this year. It's the first game against the Cardinals. Oh, what do you got, Jeremy, for the first ejection for David Ross this year? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, Randall said June. You said April. I'm going to go April more about... April 22nd. Yeah, I'm going to go more around where you are, Ronan. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, April 26th in Atlanta. I just feel like, you know, we've seen some bad games in Atlanta. Ross knows Atlanta. And I feel like it's just going to be a frustrating time down there. Yeah. He wants to get that boot so he can go get the homemade Chick-fil-A down in Atlanta. Uh, Here's a question that I'm not trying to poke fun at this because this is sad when this happens to people, but none of us have the Cubs making the playoffs this year. So that's where this question is sort of rooted in. Will a member of the major league coaching staff lose his job or quit before the end of the regular season? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm going to agree with uh, Randall. I, I don't think so. I think I think the, the Cubs know what they're really getting into this year. And I think, you know, they hired a bunch of guys with that idea in mind. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, I think if anybody does lose their job or resigns, it's because of something stupid, probably off the field. And this team doesn't need that headache this year. So I'm going to be with you all. I'm going to say no. We know David Ross got the contract extension. Yeah, we all kind of know what the expectations for this team is. So I'm with you. No coaching staff will lose their job or resign before the end of the regular season. Off-season, changes happen. Who knows where that will go, but not going to happen during the regular season. Jeremy, this is what you were getting at. The reason why I didn't want to answer the question the way you framed it is I'm more curious about what we think is going to happen than the date being in the middle of it. So that's the only reason why I didn't answer your question a minute ago. Will Jason Hayward be traded or DFA'd before the end of the regular season? I am going to go yes. I think he's, I think he's not on the team by the end of the season. So I, I, I've been thinking long and hard about this the past day or two. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to say, no, I'm actually going to think he pretty much, unless it's like in September finishes the year with the Cubs. I'm torn too on this. Um, I really like Jason Hayward as a person. I like what he means to the 2016 world series team. 
I love what he's doing on the west side of Chicago, and I want this guy to be remembered as a Cubs hero and a Cubs legend. That said, I do not think there's much that Jason Hayward has to offer to the 2022 Chicago Cubs outside of the veteran who's well-respected, can mentor some of the young players. And I don't mean to dismiss that because, you know, even say a Suzuki has been saying, you know, this guy has had a really positive impact on me and I'm not trying to undermine that. I just look at everybody else in the outfield mix right now. And they've got too many outfielders right now. And other than maybe Hermosillo, who's pretty impressive at times, there's nobody in there that I think he should be in front of. And their number one prospect is a center fielder who's going to be up at some point this year. I do think Jason Hayward is going to be DFA'd. I do think his time is going to come short this year. I do think that is the right thing for them to do. But I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it to the end of the year and then it happens in the offseason. I do not expect Jason Hayward to be on the 2023 Chicago Cubs in any capacity. I just don't know. I really don't know how this is going to play out this year. Does that does that make sense? You know, no, it makes sense. That? Yeah, it, it makes, makes sense to sense. me. I, I've been thinking about it, and I'm, and I did kind of expect it, but now I'm kind of on the other side. I, I'm thinking, and you kind of hit on this a little bit with what you're saying. I would not be surprised if they want Hayward around to mentor Brennan Davis in the clubhouse, to take him under his wing, to like teach him how to be a big leaguer, to do all that stuff. And while you might not see that on the field as you know productive things maybe they want that around in the clubhouse for a young guy like that. Somebody like to Brennan Davis, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and if he makes it through the year, I think that would primarily be the reason why. Yeah. Jeremy, now that you say this, I can absolutely see the MLB.com fluff piece at some point late this season, <laughs> uh, veteran Cubs outfielder mentoring Cubs rookie. And it's all about Hayward taking Davis under his wing. I can envision it in perfect blue, and white with black text. I can envision it perfectly right now. Now that yeah. you say it, I can absolutely see that happening. That's going to be one of those articles that Jordan Bastion doesn't write, but they kind of siphon off to the intern. Yeah. The summers, you know, yeah. something like that to get written. I, I like, I just, I want to be careful about this because I really do like Jason Hayward. I think he's a stand-up dude. I love his contributions to the team, even if he hasn't lived up to the contract, but it's baseball and you've got limited roster size and you're trying to build the next great team. And he is no longer a very good major league player, right? Even the glove is starting to deteriorate and putting him in center field may not end up being great for the team this year. So I just, you know, it's like respect Jason Hayward. Thank you for the world series championship, but I'm ready for that next generation to kind of move in here. Um, but that that's going to be a storyline certainly to keep an eye on and injuries are going to play a big part of that story as well. Uh, in the same vein here, we do anticipate players to get traded. Who do you think will be the first active Major League Cub that gets traded this season? I am going to say it will be, um, I, I'm going to say it will be Jesse Chavez. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say the active Major League Cub to get traded, I, looking in the bullpen, yeah, I think I actually just agree with you. I'm gonna say it's just a Chavez. I was yeah. thinking about David. I was actually thinking maybe Johnson VR could get traded early. A guy like that. Yeah. But uh just Chavez is probably a solid choice. Yeah. And we love him. I'm, I'm not making any mistake to that. Big Jesse fans on this podcast. He just seems like the guy. He's gonna go out and he's gonna dominate, and a team's gonna go and get him. And maybe he'll win another World Series this year. Easy, easy guy to root for. It's fun to have him back in a uniform, even if it's just for a couple of months here. I've got some fun questions related to us, but one more on the Cubs here. Assuming 
Brendan Davis graduates, meaning he comes up, he plays well, and he's a lock for the Cubs moving forward. At the end of this season, and if you want to factor in, you know, the beginning of the offseason and stuff, what I'm really getting at here is who will be the Cubs' number one prospect going into next season? Wow, that is a that is a really good question, Ronan. I, I got to hand that one to you. That is a really solid question to the point where I'm talking through this as I, I try and think through the prospects here as to, I think it's probably going to be, gosh, I, I don't even know. I think, okay, I think it's probably going to be one of the younger wave of guys. I think it's probably going to end up being a guy like uh, Casey or a guy like maybe even Christian Hernandez, but I, that's probably more of an outlier. So I'm going to say it's a guy on the level of a Casey, one of these young guys who's probably still a few years away, but that or maybe Jordan Wicks. So I'm going to say Owen Casey or Jordan Wicks, one of those two. Randall just taking a swath of guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, Jeremy, do you think maybe a different redhead maybe the I top do. prospect for the Cubs? I, I was, I was hoping Randall would take him. I'm going to go yeah. with my guy. I'm going to go with uh, Little Red, I call him. James Triantos. I think that dude just barrels baseballs. So I I think it's going to be him. Yeah, that's where I'm going too. Uh, Here's kind of a wild card that I want to throw into the mix. Probably not the number one prospect, but wouldn't it be fun if Pete Crow Armstrong made a big jump offensively? We already know where the glove is. We've seen that this spring training. Maybe that's a guy that we get to go and go, hey, that's the number one prospect going into next year. Probably uh, who you said there, Jeremy, but I like Pete Armstrong as that wild card in the mix. But in my opinion, there's a lot of guys that have that ability to take that leap. I mean, Randall mentioned Casey has that ability. You look at a guy like Reggie Preciado has that ability. Kevin Alcantara has that ability. Like if they just go out there and produce, like there's guys that are like, they could be that guy who becomes the next one. Cause they have all the tools. And I mentioned Jordan Wicks again, polished college pitcher. He's about to start his first real taste of professional ball. He made maybe one, maybe two starts at the tail end of last year. He's about to jump into his first real season. He's already got a lot of polish. He's starting at South Bend, could see himself move up to double A real quick. That's the kind of profile that could land you, you know, the so-called number one prospect in the system real quick. All right, let's uh, turn the spotlight on us. How does that sound here? Give me the date. So the date on the calendar here and the topic, the specific thing. The first time that I, Ronan, bitch about the Marquee Sports Network in 2022. Well, that depends. Are you going to be watching on TV on opening day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll have oh, MLB then TV I'm going to I'm going to say like pregame <laughs> for opening day. So that is uh, April 7th. Uh, I'm going to say between 1230 and 1 central time is my guess. And you think the pregame show is what's going to set me off? Absolutely. Without question. <laughs> Jeremy, you what do you think? The- do you get the pregame show on MLB.tv? Did they starting last now? year? Starting last year, they got the pregame show. That was a pet peeve of mine. At 120 start, it used to come on around 122 or so. Annoying when you want to catch first pitch. Last year, pregame shows now started the package. So, yes, I will get to see the studio coverage pregame. All right. Well, if we're going, <coughs> if we're, I mean, I would normally say like April, you know, 5th, right when we get off this podcast. Uh, but you're not going to actually see marquee. So, cause you're in Denver. So I'll go, I'll go early. I'll go the same April uh, 7th. I think there'll be some marquee bitching. I think so. Uh, but I, I'll kind of cheat here in my answer. I think the real thing that I'm going to be bitching about, cause it's every year, it's a tradition for me since I moved to Denver and I've been relying on MLB TV the first month of the season, the memo doesn't get to the technicians there 
that the Cubs televised the seventh inning stretch for home games. So I'm going to be excited, ready to see. I don't know who's singing the seventh inning stretch. If they've announced that, I didn't see it. So I'll be surprised Thursday when the news comes out at who's singing. I'm ready. I'm sitting there. You know, I'll have my drink in my hand. I'm going to be ready to start going. And then, boom, they pull the plug. This game is in a commercial break. And the flood of tweets, I won't be sending them, but people flood the MLB.TV Twitter account saying, why do you not show the seventh inning stretch? And sometime in the middle of May, the technicians realized that people want to watch the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field. And from then on out, got a 50% success rate that they'll air it versus going to commercial break. So I think that's the thing I'm most likely to bitch about on opening day. Uh, Ronan, we do actually have the list of seventh inning stretch singers for this first homestand of the season. Okay. Two of these are solid. Two of them less so. Real quick, uh, for opening day, we are expecting the Cubs Hall of Famers awesome. to sing the seventh inning stretch. Fantastic. It'll be Harry Carey on the video board for Friday, April 8th. Saturday, April 9th, cast members from the second season of the hit show Love is Blind. Oh, God. Wow. So now, Randall, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I have a girlfriend. So that show has aired in this house. That show is filmed in Chicago. So that's the connection, Randall, if you're wondering why. Look, I look, I'm not defending it. It's horse shit. It's stupid people TV. I know you're not defending it. You just said if you're wondering. I was I was not wondering. Um, And (laughs) somehow it gets worse because Sunday, April 10th, Jim Belushi. Oh, God. Wrigley Field to sing the seventh inning stretch. So, boy, that that starts real positively. And then it it just nosedives straight down. I just want to make sure because last year, I believe it was last year or it was recently um, last year, two years ago. But Jim Belushi wanted us to tell our friends, which is you guys, that he has the gas. So Jim Belushi has the gas. I just want you guys to know that. Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's that's tough, Randall. The Love is Blind cast. I mean, Randall, I know there are things in the world that irritate you. When, <laughs> when you see that group of people, you're going to be cursing, Randall. I know it. And I'm just sad I won't be sitting next to you when you see those idiots pop up on your TV. It is the most unfortunate thing that I will be working most of the day Saturday and likely will not be able to see that live. I am positively yeah. heartbroken. Somehow I'm going to have to go on. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough, but I'll manage. Can I also urge the Cubs to do something? I've been asking this for a couple of years now. I love that Harry Carey and Ron Santo and Ernie Banks get time on the video board for the seventh inning stretch. I think that's fantastic. Please, please, especially with Harry Carey, mix up the renditions of him singing the stretch. If it is a night game, show a night game. If it is a cold April game and it's overcast, show an April game. It should not be one Harry Carey, one Ernie Banks, the guy, one Ron Santo. These guys did it every damn year they were around. Mix it up a little bit for God's sake, just to give us a little bit of variety. I think that's poor from the Cubs who in so many other ways, they're tactful and they're on it and they do so many things right at Wrigley Field. Give us more than one rendition from these all-time greats. It would really help make things up for those of us that watch the games every day, like the three of us do. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's, and or for those of us that go to the games, you know, yeah. that are like you're getting there, you get the Harry Carey, it's like the same rendition that you've seen ten times, and it is off-putting. Like when you're there and it's you know bright, clear as day out, and it's a night like game that you're seeing Harry Carey sing at that that's or you know ron, uh, ron santo or ernie banks and it's just it's just a little weird it's a little weird it's like you would think they have so many 
you know, uh, recordings of that because they have access to all of the film library of all WGN uh, that they could, you know, get a million Harry Carey like different shots. There has to be some decent ones that you could flip around. Yeah. A little bit of effort goes a long way for things like that. Maybe this year we'll mix that up. I got a question here related more to Randall, and I'm not asking the date because it's going to be this Thursday. I'm asking what point in the ball game, perhaps the top of the first, first pitch, will Randall first be bitching about Major League Baseball umpiring? It's absolutely going to be the top of the first. Kyle Hendricks, a guy who lives on the edges, going to be a, you know, a cold day. He's not necessarily going to have perfect control. The ball is going to be difficult to grip. It's absolutely going to be the top of the first. I'll own that. I'm not going to deny that at all. It is going to be the top of the first inning. I'm not even going to be watching. I'm going to be listening, but I'm going to know it's the top of the first inning. I'm going to be able to sense it. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, it's definitely going to be Thursday. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be right to start the game. It might even be the first pitch, as you said, uh, you know, Kyle try to paint the black, just like Randall said. And uh, it's going to be frust- frustrating for if he doesn't get that call. It's going to be, a, you know, got a bunch of missed calls here on your cell phone, Blue. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of that, I'm sure, this year. Let's have some fun. I'll go 1.22 p.m. local time. Randall will be bitching about the state of Major League Baseball umpiring. Quick follow up question on that front. Now that the umpires are microphoned and they will be explaining what happens at the end of these instant replay calls, Randall, how sad are you that we never got to experience Joe West on the mic explaining to the fans at Wrigley Field why that doesn't count for the Cubs and why the batter was actually out at home plate? Boy, oh boy, Ronan, if there is one thing that this game has lacked in the last 30 years, it's more of Joe West talking. I'm positively heartbroken that they never instituted this while Cowboy Joe could have gotten on the mic and held the rest of the stadium hostage while he sang one of his country albums. Randall, is that going to be one of your moments at Wrigley Field where regardless of what they say, as soon as the umpire opens his mouth, you're just leveling booze. You know, C.B. Buckner's down there. Angel Hernandez is down there. He gets on the mic, and you're just going to let it rip, regardless of whether or not the call is in favor of the Cubs. Angel Hernandez is going to light up that microphone. I'm going to boo him so hard he's going to become Devil Hernandez. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm ecstatic for it. I'm, I'm glad to finally know what the hell is going on when you're at the ball game. It's nice to actually have here. And I'm going to miss it that Joe didn't get that opportunity. And as Randall even mentioned, that Joe could have sang it to us, uh, what the uh, call was, and that that, those, that beautiful voice he had singing those country songs. So, uh, you know, it would have been fun. And I'm, 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 I'm excited to see, to actually learn what's going on with the game that I'm attending. Yeah, Joe West could have gotten on the mic and given us some of his world famous dialogue like this bounty hunter is my kind of scum fearless and inventive. Randall, here's one more Jeremy focused, but on the same vein of what we've been talking about here. What game this year will Jeremy first bitch that replay is ruining baseball and it takes too damn long for them to figure out what's going on in the field? I'm going to say this is going to be early, but not as early as mine or yours. I think he does it by the end of the first homestand. I'm going to say he does it by the end of the game Sunday. All right. I'm going I mean, to that's go, fair. I'll give you a chance to go last year, Jeremy, because this one's focused on you. I'm also thinking, you know, he's going to be happy for the first week or so. Cubs got a couple against the Brewers at home. They go to Pittsburgh for two nights. Beautiful ballpark. That'll be fun. It's going to be at Coors Field. That four-game set, it's a circus ballpark. Something stupid's going to happen at the ballpark, and it's going to take 45 minutes for them to figure out what happened on the field. That's when Jeremy's going to first complain that instant replay is ruining baseball, and it takes too damn long for them to figure out what happened on the previous play. How does that sound, Jeremy, that Cubs-Rocky series? 
it's not going to just be about the length. It's going to be about the slow motion breakdown of some bullshit, you know, like, did he come off the bag for one millimeter of a second and, 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 and one millimeter, you know, air off the bag. And it's going to be, we're going to have to sit there watching like it, like it's the Pruder film for 30 minutes and it's going to frustrate the hell out of me. I'm going to tell you that much. What am I missing here? Any other uh, questions or predictions we can set for 2022? Uh, what, what, at what point in the season does Ronan first come into the group text and say, the Cubs are fucked, boys. The Cubs are fucked. How long does that take? <laughs> about 15 minutes after we're done. Yeah, exactly. I was going <laughs> to say, are we talking about in season or can we include out of season? Because we're that, we're going to say after, after first pitch on opening day, how long does it take? It's going to take one. We're going to get a no deal McCutcheon once I, I Andrew goes off and it's going to be bad with the Cubs are fucked. Can't hit Corbin Burns. Yeah, yeah, Cy Young pitching at Wrigley Field Thursday against uh, the Cubs ace. I, you know, I'm pessimistic, guys. I, I, I think there's a very good chance this could get ugly, especially because the schedule is so in their favor the first month and a half. So that if they're if they're like five under or so in the middle of May, it's going to get ugly very quickly, and they're going to trade a bunch of guys, and it could be you know, a 95 maybe lost team by the time it's all said and done. So yeah, expect that expected soon here. I, you know, Jeremy, you said something last time I was on the show and you were totally right. There are times in the middle of the night where I get mad about this team and I just blow you both up. But one thing that you said, I, I do like Jed Hoyer. So I believe in Jed Hoyer. I love his vision. What I don't love is the Chicago Cubs are 15th in payroll going into 2022. That to me is insulting. It's appalling. I don't feel like this team is trying to win this year. So when you get those texts from me at two in the morning, bitching about the state of the roster, it's not really Jed I got the problem with. It's the budget that he's forced to work with. Jed's an all-star. He's going to build a good team here. Love what he's done with the farm. Love the hires he's made in the front office. I don't love the owner and the budget that this team is working with, especially when the owner has the gall to try and buy a freaking $3 billion soccer club. And you can't, you're 15th in payroll and you've got billions of dollars to buy a football team. That pisses me off. And that's going to piss me off all season. Well, there are ways yeah. to increase the 2022 payroll that we can yeah. talk about. Such as? Such as maybe making a trade with San Diego. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Uh, we we will not allow Eric Cosmer. <laughs> <That's to us. laughs> no, Eric, Eric Cosmer is not a Tuesday night thing. Save that. Save that for Monday night. Eric Cosmer is absolutely a Monday conversation. That's big Monday energy. But, you know, guys, none of us have him making the playoffs. We all have him as a third place finish. Still, we're all super excited for this season to get going. One twenty Thursday, Kyle Hendricks, Corbin Burns. Jeremy, you're the lone member of the show who's going to be out there. You'll be coming from River North. I got a couple questions for you about just sort of your game plan Thursday. Stalking, or rather talking, about just up until first pitch. Give me a ballpark idea. Like, when are you trying to get down to the ballpark? Are you going red line? Are you taking an Uber? Are you going to hit any bars or establishments before the ballpark? And when do you want to be in your seat? Just kind of give me an idea from your apartment to the ballpark pre-first pitch, what your game plan is going into Thursday. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm still a little up in the air with it myself, just in case, just going over what I actually want to do. But definitely not taking an Uber. We'll be taking the red line. Uh, you know, I live right near a red line stop. It's pretty easy for me to get up there. Uh, you know, I probably I would probably I'm probably going to want to get into the ballpark a little early. Um, you know, 
I'm, I want to get in, you know, before the one o'clock hour, probably after the 12 o'clock hour. So sometime in there, uh, probably want to get in the ballpark. I might stop and hit a, a bar or two beforehand. It's you got a, to, I, you know, I, I might, I, there's a good chance. There's probably a good chance I will. And then when I get in, you know, I haven't really, I, I did a little bit last year just because of the pandemic, but I haven't really spent a lot of time, um, not in the bleachers. So, uh, cause the last couple of years I've been out in the bleachers and I, and I'm going to be above home plate in the, what used to be like the 400 sections. I, I think it's like three Oh, no, it's like three seventeen R or something where I am now. I don't know. It's, it's actually like right next to that PNC. It's like the first one over from that PNC club. So I'm going to be right. First base side. Or third play. Base what? Sorry. First base side or third base side. Uh, first base side. So cool. it's, it's, it's R on the end. So it's on the right side of the ballpark. Um, but you know, I'll probably take a take a look around, see what the food options are. I saw there's gonna be some new food out, food options. I don't know exactly where they're gonna be, so maybe I'll make a little bit of a journey to try to find where some of those like there's like gonna be a smoked brisket sandwich out there, some other things. Nice. So you know, I'm gonna try to get it, and then we get to my seat. Gonna listen to uh, Mr. Vincent sing the national anthem, which I I heard me personally is not my favorite of the options, but uh, it'll be an honor to get out there, see the first pitch. Last year I went and I think it was JB and Lori and they got booed. We'll see who it is this year. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Yep. It's going to be cold though. It's going to be cold. Yeah. We're getting the Cubs weather here in just a minute. Um, what about post game? I know win or loss kind of impacts the mood post game, but will we see it in an establishment or something in Wrigleyville afterwards rocking the PJ shirt and hopefully celebrating the W. Uh, well, you know, my usual post game was to go to the old Taco Bell, but uh, that uh, that establishment has been taken away from us in a in a sad turn of events. Uh, so I don't know. I think post game I might end up hitting it back to the apartment. I am I am going to be heading back up because I got a dog sit this weekend because my it's a it's a tax season and my father is a CPA and this is oh, yeah. his big time and my mother and my grandmother are going out of the country for their birthday. So my dad not really going to be around a while. Watch the little pup, uh, number eight, Dawson, named after the great one, the Hawk. Uh, so I'm going to watch him around. So I will have to get back to the Burbs at some point. But uh, I don't know. I might, you know, spend a little time in Wrigleyville. Jeremy, you still have a Taco Bell there. It's been reborn as a Taco Bell cantina. Uh, what, what does one need more so than a Taco Bell that will also serve you alcohol? That is true. I got one of those right uh, by where I live and uh, did me dirty one night. So uh, we'll sure. see about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, have a good time there, Jeremy. I'm jealous. I'm not out there with you. Uh, I'm thinking, Jeremy, I haven't been at opening day in a long time, about 10 years now. Used to be a staple. You and I were out there many years in a row. Next year, we're coming back. We're doing opening day 2023. I can't miss another one. It's going to be eating away at me, sitting here in Denver, watching the folks back out at Wrigley Field. Also, Jeremy, you're on Twitter duty Thursday. You're going to be in the ballpark. You got our Twitter account at BTYL Podcast. Take some pictures for us. Get some behind-the-scenes things. See if that yellow line's been painted again in the lower deck, our old standing room spot. Get us a photo of that. I know Randall and I will be watching the account, seeing what you got out there, but looking forward to your contributions there. And, you know, have a good time, man. This isn't going to be the best team we're going to see. This isn't going to be the worst Cubs team any of us have seen. Have fun at opening day. Stay warm. You never dress warm enough. You never put (laughs) enough on. You're going to be shivering in the third inning. But... I want you to have a good time. I want you to have a W at the end of that ball game as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take some pictures. You know, you always got to take that one picture coming up, seeing the whole ballpark. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll have some, you know, 
photos on the uh, the Twitter account, and uh, I'm okay with my dress. I think I'll I think I'm, I got it pretty well done. I got you know I got the gloves, got the hoodie. It's all laid out. Well, I did something, guys, that I'm very proud of. I ordered, and I don't recall if I shared this on the podcast or not. I ordered a Kosuke Fukudome Shinichi Dragons jersey, a used jersey on eBay. It is in Niwot, Colorado. I'm picking it up this weekend. I am going to wear that one night of the Cubs-Rockies games in Denver here in the middle of April. Randall, yay or nay? Me, Ronan O'Shea, and a Kosuke Fukudome Shinichi Dragons jersey. Yay. Go for it. It's a Good. great Thank piece you. of great piece of Cubs apocrypha, uh, great piece of, you know, Cubs, Cubs history. Do it. Wear it. How many people in Denver can say that they are not they don't just own, but they are going to be wearing a Chunichi Dragons jersey? You, you could be one person in a city of millions of people who can claim that distinction for one night. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want that. I'm excited about it. I've got we'll talk about this more down the road a little bit, but those four games Cubs in Denver. I'm strategically sitting in four different spots for those games. I want to be in right field one day, out by Suzuki, maybe in left field, kind of hanging out by KB in the home run alley there, and then some spots down closer to home plate. But we'll get into that as we get closer to it. Randall, one of the great things we've done on this podcast, we partnered with the good guys at Cubs Weather. We've got our first forecast of the year. Cubs Brewers this weekend at Wrigley. Randall, it's basically always cold on opening day. What can we expect Thursday at the friendly confines? Absolutely, Ronan. It is my pleasure to once again bring us our Cubs weather, Cubs weather forecast provided to us by at Alexander Hall, Alexander Hall, who, as you said, is one of the chief contributors to at Cubs weather. Follow him, follow them if you do not already. What Alexander tells us about this opening series is to expect blustery early day games at Wrigley. He notes the series vibe is bear down. Expect expect bear weather all four days and you will be fine. Possible short delay Thursday or Friday with some numerous light scattered showers rotating through. All of these games are 1.20 p.m. start central time. Thursday, a high of 46 degrees with a stiff breeze out to right field, 15 to 25 miles per hour. Friday, 42 degrees and no better. Uh, the wind in from left, 15 to 25. Saturday, it'll dry out. Not going to be a whole a lot warmer though 42 degrees in from left field 5 to 15 miles an hour and then sunday looks to be the same day to go with a high of 54 degrees dry sunny and the wind blowing out 15 to 25 miles per hour and so that is our first cubs weather forecast of the 2022 season thanks again to alexander and the guys at cubs weather providing it for us again follow him at alexander hall follow them at cubs weather if you do not already we look forward to the weather forecasts they will provide us with all season long yeah, we got to get Alexander back on too. Before the end of April, we'll get him back on the podcast here. Alexander, if you're listening right now, 75 mile power wind gusts in Denver today. A little weird out walking the dog. Huxley, not a big fan of the wind. It's what we get this time of the year in the Mile High City. I want to get a quick thought out on the balanced schedule. You two both talked at length about that last week. I want to give one positive, one negative, and a wild card with regards to it. Um, one positive about it is the game is changing. And I think it will be nice for the Cubs to have more frequent appearances with teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mariners. Baseball is changing. Expansion is coming. Realignment is coming. It feels like this is setting us up for a bigger change that's going to be happening in baseball. Things I don't like about it, fewer in-division games, right? Cubs-Cardinals is the best thing in the world as far as I'm concerned. Fewer of those games in favor of more Cubs-Orioles, that kind of stinks. But that's the way it goes. The wild card I wanted to throw into the mix there as a transplant Chicago Cubs fan, 
the Cubs are going to go from playing six games a year against the Rockies to 10. So presumably more games at Coors Field for the Cubs moving forward, more opportunities for me to see the Cubs playing here in Denver. I'm curious how that is going to work out if it's going to just be an unbalanced thing where they do two series at Wrigley and one here in Denver and vice versa. But you figure in the long haul, it's going to give me more opportunities in Denver to see the Cubs play. Yeah, my understanding is that it'll just uh, pinball back and forth year to year. You'll play two series in the road ballpark one year, two series in your own ballpark the next year. So it'll it'll be unbalanced over one season, but over two seasons, it'll even out. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting and uh, more opportunity. Randall, get on the plane. You guys get on the horse and saddle. Come out west through Nebraska. Come to the Mile High City. And let's watch some Cubs-Rockies baseball games. I got four coming up, and I'm really ready for it, if you can't tell already. This is our 63rd podcast. This is not a number, Randall, that a whole bevy of Chicago Cubs greats have worn. I figure, Randall, you're a Kevin Gregg guy. Who's your most memorable number 63? Well, it's definitely Kevin Gregg, but not memorable in the good sense. Brian Schlitter, for very much the same reason. Carmen Pignatello, I believe a local boy who pitched briefly for the Cubs in 07 and 08. He ended up in independent ball nearby in Schaumburg, if I'm not mistaken. And the original Cubs, John Lester. John uh, spelled uh, Leicester, L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R, but pronounced Lester. He briefly wore the number in 2003. And it was another weird number that was worn by a pair of coaches in the 1960s. Charlie Metro in 1962, he was the head coach uh, in the College of Coaches experiment. And then George Fries in 1964 and 1965. And then the number wasn't worn again until uh, John Lester, the original John Lester in 2003. So one of those weird uh, number quirks. But yeah, it's not a number that has covered itself in a ton of distinction over the years. Yeah, for me, I uh, and I, I actually was at a game where <clears throat> uh, John Lester was uh, the, as you pronounced it, Leicester, but actually John Lester. Like that was phonetic, England. Jeremy. I know it's pronounced Lester. No, I, I know. I, I know you, you pronounce I meant to say spelled the way you did. I, I, I know how you pronounce it. Sorry. British, um, British spelling. Uh, yeah, like in English. But uh, I remember seeing him pitch. But for me, Carmen Pignatello, uh, I, I remember when he was, I want to say called up by the Cubs. I think it was Carmen Pignatello. He, I remember going to a game, sitting in the bleachers, and they were, the Cubs were making a pitching change, and they flashed Carmen Pignatello's name on the scoreboard, but Carmen Pignatello was not on the roster. Well, that's and I thought that was very weird, and it quickly came down, and they put the correct pitcher who was coming in as pitching change, and then the next day, Carmen Pignatello was called up, and I always wondered if maybe the scoreboard operator somehow knew or something was in there knowing that he was going to be called up like the next day. It was very weird. And I just always remember that. It's always stuck in my mind. You briefly flashed forward through time by a day, Jeremy, and then time like the rubber band that it is, it snapped and it pulled you back. That's my explanation. This was the old little uh, the light, the light, board, light board that was underneath. Light the, ribbon underneath yeah. the scoreboard. Yeah. Underneath the score before they had the big boards. Well, Jeremy, with that in vain or kind of that on mind, uh, you got to find – the worst example of encroachment of ads at Wrigley Field and send it over to me. It's something we've seen year after year after year. It pisses me off. I understand the financials of the game, all that stuff. But I remember a time, old man Ronan here, I remember a time when you could go to Wrigley Field and the only advertising you saw was the Torco sign in right and the Budweiser sign in left center field. 
not that way anymore. So if there's any egregious example, Jeremy, of just an awful ad placement in the ballpark or something stupid they're doing on the video board, please let me know. I, I need a reason to be pissed off Thursday, and I guess that will be one of them. You you and Randall, you'll both be in the comfort zone of being angry right yeah. at the moment that get that game starts, and I'll make sure to get you guys there. We're just sad, really, that we're not going to be out at the ballpark, but a matter of time, and hopefully the three of us can get back out to Wrigley Field at some time this summer. Let's end on a happy note here as we're trying to be optimistic. Really cool thing on the minor leagues here. We know that minor league housing is something that major league owners now have to pay attention to and give this basic thing to these players who are out there trying to make it up to the major leagues. Max Bain, Randall, one of the Cubs minor leaguers, showing some cool pictures of his place in South Bend. This is fun, isn't it, to see the players, one, appreciating the fact that, wow, they actually have a nice place to live, and two, seeing some of these apartments and seeing that these owners didn't go as cheap as possible. These are some nice-looking facilities that some of these players are going to be in. Yeah, Ronan, you mentioned Max Bain, who is beginning the season at South Bend, and the South Bend Cubs have the advantage of basically having a whole apartment complex right behind uh, the center field wall. Uh, but some other players in other organizations, there was a player from the Orioles organization, Cole Uvila, who I've never heard of. I don't know what position he plays, but he is in the Orioles system. He posted pictures of a very nice studio apartment that the Orioles organization provided for him. Uh, his wife and their dog. And it, it's very lovely. It's got all the furniture you could need. It's got a very nice kitchen. Uh, it, it's got a, a bed area, you know, it's a studio apartment, so it's not a bedroom. It's a bed area. Uh, and it, it's just nice to see these minor leaguers being treated like people and not the cattle that they were being treated as where you might've had to fit three or four guys in an apartment of this size. So it's a long time coming. There's still more work to be done in making sure minor leaguers are treated and compensated properly. But a lot of these pictures we're seeing are showing that the organizations took it seriously. They did the job they needed to do. And they're giving the players these very basic, but very, very cozy, very functional and very well furnished spaces in which to live while they are working to achieve their dream of being major league baseball players. Uh, so it's good to see. We've spent a lot of time excoriating these organizations for doing a poor job of this it's good to see the opposite happening for a change jeremy you think it's safe to say these cubs prospects have graduated from bovine university i think they've moved on a little bit uh you know uh i i think that i you know i mean get your troy mcclure references in now i guess uh but uh, i i think it's good for the uh for the you know i i always to me it's like i always thought that why wouldn't you want to be the organization that is providing more for your players that, you know, they could probably, if they're not stressed out in their lives, probably play more and get better. And also you would think that it would more players would want to play for you. Like you would be have a better chance of acquiring talent. So to me, I never understood like why I guess, you know, sometimes cheapness just outweighs all that. But uh, to me, I think it always made sense to provide um, for your players and, and to help them out. Well, you know, provide for your minor leaguers or buy another plane if you're Dick Bonford. What do you do, right? Uh, you know what these major league owners do. Finally, public pressure got to them, and at least these minor leaguers are having a decent lifestyle and living here as they get ready for the new season. Well, Cubs, prove us wrong. Win 95 games. Win this damn division. Let's celebrate a winner. It's opening day on Thursday, the 147th National League season for the Cubs, and we're ready for it. We will be back Monday following this four-game set against the Brewers. We'll talk about opening weekend. We will make our major league predictions. Who's going to win the World Series? Who's rookie of the year? All that to look forward to next time right here on Behind the Yellow Line. 
Come on, Cubbies, let's win on opening day. A good season.